Police One Academy is leading the way in high-quality, affordable training for officers nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 1,000 HD videos and 175 full-length courses in a robust learning management system. Training is certified or accepted for training credit in 35 states. Join the industry's most officer-friendly learning platform with more than 60,000 subscribers. To schedule a free demo, go to policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Thank you for clicking and thank you for listening. This is the Policing Matters podcast for Police One. I'm Doug Wiley. Hi, I'm Jim Dudley. Uh, Jim, I'm going to read a quick paragraph here to kick us off. Um, According to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, the number of officers shot and killed in ambush attacks at the time of this podcast recording now totals 20, the highest total since 1995. Uh, The National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial Fund reports that 44 officers have been killed in fatal ambush shootings since 2014. Um, The spike in these attacks, you know, we saw when in New York City, uh, the two officers in the squad car were were killed by that guy from Maryland. Um, We saw tragically in Dallas, in Baton Rouge. Um, It's happened over and over and over, so much so that... um, I'd say we're almost now at a crisis. Um, where, where, where are we at? What's, what's going on with these ambush killings of police officers? Well, that's a good question. And it, by the very nature of an ambush attack, um, in, in doing research for, for this podcast, I, I found a, a 2011, uh, it's five years old now, it's a IACP, International Association of Chiefs of Police, a fact sheet on ambush um, attempts on officers, and I think it still holds true today. And they, they talk about at the very beginning, uh, generally four factors have come to define an ambush assault. Number one being the element of surprise. Number two, concealment of the assailant, their intentions or weapon. Three, the suddenness of the attack. And four, a lack of provocation. So by the very nature, uh, you don't see it coming. And we talk a little bit about... Um, prevention it being tough to measure, right? So if you are uh, working the streets either by yourself or with an officer, and, and there's plus and minuses to both situations, right? You might be a little more vigilant because you're by yourself. Uh, you may tend to rely heavily on, on your partner officer if you're with a partner where they may actually be doing the same thing, relying on you, yeah. and then nobody's watching your back. So uh, you know, there's, there's plus and minuses there. But Good policing uh, may be your best preventative measure at preventing an ambush attack, right? They've done um, research talking to cop killers, as we discussed, that um, if they've gone out with the intention of doing harm to a police officer, that they might have um, not taken action when they see that an officer is vigilant. And they're tough to measure, right? How many times do we prevent an ambush shooting because the officer was doing what they're supposed to do? And it may go back to, uh, you know, your early academy days of walking up on a car stop and putting your hand on the trunk or on the back of the vehicle to feel if there's movement going around inside the vehicle. Um, Using your flashlight as you approach uh, in the driver's rearview mirror so they can't see exactly what you're doing as you're approaching. Um, Your head on a swivel, your back to the wall facing the entrance when you're on your meal break or or a, a break in a coffee shop that 
um, you're, you're aware of people and you're looking at people's hands and you're reading people's expressions and faces and, and things like that. I think those are all good things to um, show that you're being aware, show that you're, you're, you've got your guard up. Yeah, you know, in the run up to uh, hitting record on this particular podcast, we were talking um, offline about the uh, the FBI's study of um, cop killers and and how um, some of those guys, uh, you know, interviewed in prison uh, had indicated that they decided to not attack an officer because their uh, command presence. And, you know, I remember I'm going to paraphrase. One of the guys said, I didn't attack him because he looked like a real fight. And, you know, it was it it was it's it's interesting to me that those cop killers revealed um, so much of their um, apprehension about some officers and their lack of apprehension about others. Um, Now, that's not to say that any any of these officers uh, who's been killed in an ambush um, had lack of uh, situational awareness or or or, um, lacked command presence. But and and I think it goes to I want to remember to mention that, you know, there's two types of ambush. There's the planned ambush Mm -hmm. and there's the the ambush of opportunity. Sure. And it's I think the planned ambush is the one that's got to be most um, concerning. Um, ambush of opportunity, that's, you know, that's gunfight's going to break out when a gunfight's going to break out. Right. And you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, but when you're going to a domestic violence call, DV call, and you, you don't wait for backup, you go in alone, you're far more likely to have a problem than you are if you have your backup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I recently wrote an article about, you know, I, I proposed that we should have more two-officer squad cars, particularly in really tough spots, really bad neighborhoods. Because I think that despite the fact that when there's two people responsible for one thing, nobody's going to do it, right? You do get that problem where, oh, he's watching my back. I'm not going to worry about it. But I've seen right here in San Francisco both really good and really bad contact and cover tactics. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of the partner that you're with. Sure, um, I've actually seen guys really be head on a swivel as the as the cover officer and i've seen two officers being the contact officer at the same time right um so i think that it really comes down to whether or not you're working well with someone who works well with you absolutely and i mean in 1989 my partner saved my life in a situation and it was because there were two of us there and, and clearly um we had each other's backs but there is that um that sense that if you work with a partner regularly, you know I'm going to be lead on this. You got my back. This is my report. When you have that kind of communication, that that works out so much better rather than getting thrown in with a different person every night. So, so well, yeah, partners, I, yeah, it, I don't think that that's that's a very winning strategy. You really need to know your partner, and your partner needs to know you, and you right. you almost have to have kind of a, uh, um, a yin and yang type of of. Mm-hmm. of you have to be symbiotic. Sure. You get intuitive of what the other is going to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure every every cop out there listening to this knows that when they're, or, or practices, if they've got a partner and they're driving to the call, they're talking about what they're going to do. You know, on a domestic violence, I'll talk to the reportee, you take the mm-hmm. potential assailant and, uh, well, let's keep each other in sight. Or... whatever the circumstances are relayed to you by dispatch that you're figuring out a plan on your way there. Yeah. You know, it's my, my fear and I hate to even um, utter it out loud is that we're going to see in 2017 
even greater numbers of these planned ambush attacks of these you know um, killers lie in wait mm. um it because uh, frankly because of the success of some of them in the past year um and i think that the the animosity against law enforcement that exists in some communities will be amplified by um you know the past election results and some of the um difficulties that are are potentially foreseeable uh, there um, and my, 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 it's, it's my, it's my greatest fear that you, you really can't, um, I, I don't think there's going to be a difference in the, the opportunistic ambush attacks. I think that those are just going to be what they are, mm. um, because you're just going to have a, 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 an assailant suddenly decide that they're not going to jail today and they're just going to have to, you know, use their gun to try and get out of their, out of their predicament, whether, whether it's traffic stop or what. But my fear is that because of the, you know, the DV calls and the other calls that have led to, you know, false reported calls that have led to officers being um, gunned down, mm. I, it's just, I, I, I hate to even utter it. Yeah, I wonder, though, if it's, if it's situational, if this spike is an anomaly because of the rhetoric we've seen over the last two years with some high profile incidents and a false narrative out there. Um, there's some who still believe that um, in Ferguson, for example, that the individual, Mr. Brown, was shot 30 feet away with his hands in the air. And, and we know through forensic evidence and the medical examiner's report that that is a false narrative. Uh, DNA and blood found in the officer's vehicle, uh, gunshot residue, all those things point to uh, the officer, including the injuries on his face, the officer's uh, version of the story of being attacked inside the compartment of his own vehicle. Uh, I, I think there's there's a lot of people who still believe that false narrative, and so with with those things being reiterated over and over again um, with every police shooting, um, I know we've heard already um, some of the assailants uh, in Los Angeles and um, across the nation who've said that they were influenced because they know that cops are, are bad and awful and what have you. So I'm wondering now, as, um, as, the, as the scene starts, starts to settle down, we're, we're at the table, we're talking about police reforms and things like that, I really wonder if, um, if the numbers will, will continue to, to upward spiral. Yeah. Well, I mean, to your point, and I read all three um, autopsies of, of Michael Brown. Um, the most trafficked article on Police One in the history of Police One was my article on why Officer Darren Wilson wasn't indicted. And I encourage anyone and everyone to read that. Um, it, the, the, the difficulty is, is that the, the mainstream national media, particularly cable news, um, they're largely responsible for perpetuating this false narrative. Mm. And in and for me, they're doing so because it's, it's friction. It's what I call conflict and controversy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that perpetuates this, this myth, this incorrect assumption that officers are out there looking to gun down, you know, young African-American males between the ages of 18 and 25. Yeah. That's simply not the case. But the problem is, is that it, that the audience that most needs to hear and understand that officers are out there actually to protect those communities from, you know, harm, uh, they're, they're not hearing that message. They're right. hearing an echo chamber of the opposite message, of the false narrative. And that's why I fear that, you know, as the Internet continues to, um, you know, fuel these debates you know if you're on facebook 
generally speaking, your friends, quote, finger quotes, friends with people who are of like mind. Mm -hmm. And so your news feed is entirely populated by people who have similar opinions right. to you. Right, you right. don't get the opposing views ever. And so if you're not curious enough to go outside of Facebook and Twitter to find your information, um, then you're going to be stuck with the information that you begin to then sure. believe. You're, re you're reading it down a tunnel. Exactly. And so that's, that's, my, that's why I fear that we're not in a place as a society um, that we can reverse this trend. I mean, I really want to. I think that it's on officers, of course, to be vigilant. It's on officers, of course, to use proper tactics. It's on officers, of course, to protect themselves and their partners. But the officers aren't the problem here. Sure. The assailants and the attackers are the problem here. Yeah. Well, I think there's some good information out there from the Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, the FBI Leoka Report, and there should be some FBI trainings uh, in a department near you that talks about the trends, uh, the fact that 35% um, uh, or better of the weapons of choice uh, used in an ambush are firearms. Mm -hmm. The other third are uh, knives. Um, it's it's a shame that the report that I found is is five years old already. I, I certainly hope that that the recent climate spurs uh, new reports to really do a study and look at um, some of the findings. But right now, if if all we have is this IACP 2011 fact sheet, take a look at it, bring it up online. Uh, talks about the average officer involved in the ambush, the average assailant. Uh, the average weapon, the type of call, things like that. And and I don't know so much that the conclusion is that these are the causations, but uh, there's correlations that maybe you should think about when you're entering a situation. And the one last thing I'd like to mention is that um, not all of these ambush attacks are fatal. There are a great number that cause severe injury or perhaps even sometimes no injury, um, but and, and we would like to know about them. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think we would, we would benefit from knowing about, for example, the officer in Philly, I can't remember his name, um, early in the year, January of this year, who was uh, ambushed by the, the ISIS-inspired uh, assailant who got out of the car, returned fire with three bullet holes in his arm, and um, you know eventually hit the guy in the buttocks, I believe. Right, chased him down. Uh, chased him down. And you know that, that was an ambush attack. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to wind up on any kind of report. And I think we should begin to really think about how we can collect the information on um, ambush attacks that are unsuccessful um, or are or unsuccessful in terms of a f uh, bringing fatality to the officer right. or uh, unsuccessful in the fact that, um, you know, the, the, the assailant misses or, you know, they're just they simply are unable to deliver an, an effective attack. Right, right. You know, and 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 hopefully uh, some good training comes out of this. I remember. Way back in my police academy, we had scenarios where um, you were driving along going to a burglary call. Somebody jumps out and throws something at your car like a Molotov cocktail. And you should have the whereabouts to step on the gas mm -hmm. and, and get out of there. Yeah. So a huge officer safety issue as we close 2016 and move into 2017. Uh, let's continue this conversation. For sure.